Hello and welcome to the Feeling Good Podcast. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and joining me here in the Murrieta Studios is Dr. David Burns. Hi, David. Hi, Fabrice. Dr. David Burns has been a pioneer in the development of cognitive therapy, and he is the creator of the new team therapy. He is the author of Feeling Good, which has sold over 5 million copies in the United States and has been translated into over 20 languages. He is an emeritus adjunct clinical professor of psychiatry at the Stanford University School of Medicine. This is episode 46 of the Feeling Good podcast, and um, we have a, a little subject here that uh, I've, uh, has, is dear to my heart that uh, David has been pushing back for a while, but I wanted to squeeze that in. And uh, so as a, by way of introduction, what I'd like to do is uh, there was a, a study done in 2012 by uh, Dr. Joan Luby, and that, that showed that uh, um, a nurturing, nurturing a child early in life may help him or her develop a larger hippocampus. And that's the brain region that's important for learning, memory, and for stress response. That's that's the University of Hippo. <laughs> that's the right, hippo yeah. Campus. The hippocampus. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so it it seems I think to demonstrate other studies on children too, where yeah. even failure to thrive, you exactly. know, physical difficulties when children don't receive so, nurturing. And yeah, that. and and there's a very famous study on adverse uh, childhood experiences that. Uh, show that uh, in, in later in life it leads to uh, more um, uh, mental, <clears throat> mental diseases, more poverty, um, less success in school or in, in work and so on. So the, the nurturing of a, of a young human being, and maybe you can extrapolate to adults too, uh, seems to be a, a vital need. And uh, but at the same time, I know that when uh, when uh, you work with some of your patients who, you know, are looking for love, you know, love, appreciation, approval, um, you um, actually uh, look for distortions in in their thinking. So how can you can you um, um, you know um, harmonize the two those two things? Right. Um, well, I, I was. When I was first learning cognitive therapy back in the in the 1970s, I would go to this weekly seminar that Dr. Beck had and present yeah. cases, and we were developing and, and learning cognitive therapy. And I remember one day in a seminar, he we were talking about some patient who was very depressed because she she'd gotten divorced or, or some such thing, was suicidal and feeling like, you know, if without love, you know, life was not worth living. She, the conviction she couldn't be happy or, or fulfilled without love. And, and this is a kind of common belief in, in our culture that, uh, uh, you know, Barbara Streisand sings, people who need people are the luckiest, luckiest people in, in the world, that that uh, love is an adult human need, and love is all you you need, and and, and this type of thing, and and then uh, doctor, and most of us have just kind of accept that, and then Doctor Beck made the announcement, that, or he mentioned that love is not an adult human need, and during the seminar, and when he said that, I thought, my gosh, this guy must be some kind of a sociopath or something like that, yeah. that he he's not, you know, doesn't think that love is in a 
adult human need. But I decided to um, do some some experiments to, to to check it out first in my own personal life, and then I began working with with patients around this notion. And uh, I I just I had that belief that so many of my patients have that if if you're alone, somehow life is is going to be you know less less fulfilling and uh, less rewarding. Yeah. And so I had I I had to go to uh, Las Vegas for a conference. It was my psychopharmacology days, and I was supposed to be at some table and talk about antidepressants or something. And then and then at the end of the day, the uh, one of the drug reps who had a exhibit table next to mine said some of us were going to go out 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 to dinner uh would would you like to join us and then i thought well uh i I told him you know i'm actually uh have some plans but 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 thanks but actually i had no plans but what i decided to do was to do an experiment to to spend the evening alone yeah uh, and and to see you know if it would be uh, really you know kind of miserable as as i anticipated and I also used my my pleasure predicting sheet, kind of predicting how how enjoyable uh, each each thing would be. <clears throat> and so I, I got all dressed up just as if I was going to go, you know, out, out with some some folks. And I, all my uh, expenses were reimbursed, so I said, "Well, I'll just go to some fancy restaurant because I'm going to get reimbursement for it." And so I I, I got into a taxi. And I said, uh, "Take me to uh, uh, one of the fanciest uh, restaurants here here in Las Vegas." So yeah, I said, "I don't know the different restaurants, but yeah. whatever you think is something super." So he took me to this place, and and, and I, I walked up to the the maitre d and, and 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 said, "I'm looking for a table for one, but but I'd like to have one of your very best tables." Yeah. And so he gave me this this very beautiful table, and I had this meal, and. You know, I was just shocked that it was it was just very rewarding. I couldn't. It was like I couldn't couldn't believe it. And and then after dinner, I got in another taxi and I went to some kind of nightclub or show that, that was go, going on there. And 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 it was just it was incredible. Like it was like ninety nine or one hundred percent enjoyable. And 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 that didn't like jive with what my expectations were. And then I got to thinking, well. It's probably because I wasn't alone long enough, and, and that right. if you're alone for a long period of time, then eventually, you know, it's going to become uh, annoying or miserable or something. Well, there's that uh, TV series called Alone. Yeah, Alone. Yeah. That's one of my favorite shows, and starts again tonight. The, the fourth oh, series. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's a, a great show. If any listeners and, are interested, and you know, people who've watched it can see that some contestants are able to you know, sustain themselves. But the one thing that they just stop being able to deal with is the aloneness. Yeah, so for, for a few of them it is. For most of them it actually, it actually isn't. But they're out in, uh, against, you know, it's really hunger and practical things that do, do most of them in on that, on that show. A few of them it's, it's loneliness that causes them to, to, to give up, but actually uh, not for most of them. So then I did another another experiment, and uh, my my wife had to go to California to be with her mother who had uh, cancer, and took took the kids for for a, for a month. And I thought, well, I have to see my patients, but I won't accept any social engagements uh, on the evenings or, or weekends. I'll spend all of my my time alone, and I'm sure eventually it'll become. Uh, 
unpleasant. Yeah. And then I, I, the same darn thing happened. I, 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 when I was alone, it was just, it was fantastic. And like I thought one day, I thought, gosh, I'd, I'd kind of like to learn about the theory of relativity. So I went and bought a book on Einstein's theory of relativity, and I was reading it. And, and then, you know, I used to collect coins one Saturday. I thought, you know, I'd love to go up to New York, take the train to New York, and just go through all the coin stores and and just doing stuff I really wanted to do. And the longer I was alone, the the happier the happier I became. And it, it really... It really kind of exploded or imploded this belief that I have that somehow. Did you, did you get divorced? No, no, because you don't <laughs> lose the enjoyment of other people. You just overcome this idea that I have to be loved in order in order to feel happy and and, and fulfilled. And once I I saw that in a way Beck was really really right in in, in what he was saying. Then I began to use this with with great benefit with my clinical work because. I wrote this book, Intimate Connections, which is about shy, lonely people and how to improve your love life and things like that. And, yeah. and in the first part of that book, one of the requirements is before I'll give you the secrets of dating, you, mm -hmm. you've got to overcome your fear of being alone. And so there's a lot of techniques in the first section of the book, you know, about how, how to become happy, happy when, when you're alone. Because I found that the people who were single, 60% of my patients in my clinical practice were single. They were divorced and couldn't get into the dating scene, or they'd never gotten ma married, married in the first place. And I found that the ones who thought they needed somebody to feel happy and fulfilled always got rejected. Be because the person who does the chasing, you see, if you need, feel you need someone or you need love, you're going to chase that person. Yeah. And then they have all the power and the probability is very high that, that you'll get, get rejected. And so this became a very helpful tool in my clinical practice. Just give one more vignette and then we can kind of go freestyle on, on, on this controversial topic. But just to give you an example, there was this fellow that I was, uh, Treating name name call him Ron, mm -hmm. and he was a single fellow from, uh, and he lived in uh, one of the outskirts of, of Philadelphia, and he was absolutely convinced he he had to to have love to feel happy and fulfilled, and so he yeah. would go out at night going to all these singles bars trying trying to to pick women up and try, try, you know trying to find a relationship, and he would be coming on real strong and. You know, trying try to impress people, trying to get some woman to to love him, and and he he was just constantly being rejected, and then he kind of had some you know pock marks on his face, I yeah. think from acne, and he thought maybe I have to get plastic surgery, and uh, maybe that's that's the problem, and, uh, and and then he bought real expensive clothes, thinking he'd impress women with his clothes, he'd, he'd get a date this way, and I kept telling him that you know you can be happy when when you're alone and 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 if you'd be willing to spend a month or two alone and overcome your fear of being alone then I'll teach you the secrets of flirting and 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 dating but as long as you feel you need a woman you need love I'm I'm not willing to 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 show you how to enter the dating scene because it it's you're not you're not going to be successful at it well he got so angry about this uh, the, you know this idea that I was trying to give him this preposterous belief that you don't need love and and he didn't he didn't buy it yeah. and and so he finally fired me in in, in a rage uh, b because over this issue and I always wondered what happened to him and then he 
he uh, actually contacted me, asked if he could come in for a session six months later. He said he wanted to give me some follow-up. And that, uh, he says, after he fired me, he, he kept going to singles bars for, for another few weeks and got shot down about ten more times. And then he said, well, maybe I should see if what Dr. Burns said was true. And he, he had remembered that he had always loved photography. So in, on weekends, instead of going out trying to meet and pick up women, he decided to go out and start photographing flowers and, and things out in the woods and the mountains and it was the days where you could develop your own photos. He, he developed a little dark room in his yeah, house. Right. And, and he, he said, he, and he was using this pleasure predicting sheet. How satisfying is it going to be to, you know, drive to the mountains, to, to photograph some flowers, to, to, to develop them? And he said it blew his mind. He suddenly realized he was having 100% satisfaction ratings do, doing this. And it says it dawned on him like a light bulb that he really did not need love to feel totally happy and fulfilled. And just like when I made that discovery, it just came as a shock to, to a system. When it came into my mind, I, what happened to me is I, I discovered you're never alone. You're always with yourself. And I found out David's a good guy to hang out with. I kind of liked being with myself. Uh-huh, yeah, right. uh, so he made that same, same discovery, and he just gave up on the idea that, that he had to you know, chase, chase women to, to find fulfillment. And then the, he said the oddest thing happened. He was out on a Saturday morning uh, taking uh, photos, and then he went to this uh, cafe he used to like to go to for, for you know lunch or late breakfast after he'd been shooting photos. And he noticed, th- did I tell you this story already on the podcast? Or? Um, I don't recall. Oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> the, the, there was this hot babe in, in there, uh, and he, he thought she was kind of giving him the eye. And uh, and so he just ignored her, and he kept doing, you know, what he was doing, eating his food there. And then she came over and said, "Would, would you mind if I, if I join you uh, for for a couple of minutes?" And this is, just shocked him, and, and he says, "Well, well, sure, yeah, no, no, no problem." And then then she then she started talking to him, say, "Oh, are are you a photographer? Because I see all your." cameras and everything and he said well i'm kind of a you know amateur photographer i'm a local school teacher but uh, i do a lot of photography on 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 weekends yeah and then she said oh do you ever do like glamour photography or nude photography oh yeah you've you've talked about this i remember yeah (laughs) on the podcast i don't know if it was on the podcast (laughs) i hope not (laughs) because i'll sound pretty senile well mostly i'm pretty senile uh, but uh, but he but but he says well no I don't usually but I but I could look why do you ask and she said well when I was a little girl uh, you know I walked past this garage uh, where there were these mechanics working and they had one of these uh, pinups on pin-up the wall calendars yeah. yeah and when I saw that she said I got all excited. And I've always had the fantasy of you just being didn't like, know at the time when <laughs> <laughs> being a pinup girl, and maybe you could kind of take photos like that of, of me. Would would you be willing? And, and he said, "Well, sure, no no problem." And when would, you, when would you like to do that? She said, "Well, how about right now today?" <laughs> <laughs> so they went over to his apartment, and she started disrobing and doing these sexy photos, and they both got really excited. It ended up, uh, you know, making love. Yeah. And then uh, they had a lot in common, and he'd been uh, going with this woman for about uh, you know three months, and they they were engaged and just just happy as 
as, as can be. So he said, I just wanted to come back for one last session and tell you, doctor, you were right and I was wrong. <laughs> and it was just so much fun to see that, uh, that follow-up. So that's, that's one way to, to look at this. Yeah, and surely you're, you're not suggesting that single people should not go out and date. Well, if, um, if you're having trouble in, in the dating scene and you're, and you're kind of desperate and find that you're the one who's, who's chasing all the time yeah. and, and getting, getting rejected, then it could, in, in fact, be a good idea maybe to pick up a copy of my book, Intimate Connections, and overcome your fear of, of being alone. Uh-huh. Because then when you go back into the dating scene, you're not trying to get something from the other person that you can't give yourself. You, you know how to give yourself happiness and joy and fulfillment. And so then you can be focused more on the other person, what you can give them and how you can relate to them rather than having them give you something that only you you can give your yourself yeah um, now you, you know you've talked about you know adult relationships and adult uh, seeking for love but what what would you say about uh, children especially younger children i don't have any expertise in it so i i try to limit my comments to things that i I have knowledge about, and, and since I've been an adult, Frank, and haven't treated kids or haven't looked at the at the literature, you know, I just can't make any you know intelligent comments there. So, so really, uh, a distinction needs to be made here uh, when uh, you know when you make the assertion you don't need love. That only applies to to mature adults, you know, people who. Yeah, I'm talking about adults. I did, I did, I did, I did tell you the story of a man who who uh, who, who said that he he was happy all the time. No. Uh, well, it, it has to do. Was that you? <laughs> no, no. But I was on this AM uh, Philadelphia uh, TV show talking about my book, Feeling Good. Yeah. And uh, they had call-ins, and someone called in and said, "Doctor Mertz, is it possible to be happy all the time?" And I said, I don't think so. I don't think it's even a good idea. But I've never heard of someone who's happy every minute of every day for their entire life. Yeah. If anyone has ever heard of such a person, have them uh, have, have them give me a call. Uh, I and, know some people. I'll, I'll have them give you a call. <laughs> yeah, good. So um, as I was leaving the show to go home, the uh, producer said, there's a phone call for you here. And I said, hello. And she said, oh, this fellow said, oh, is this Dr. Burns? I said, yes. He says, well, I'm the man you've been looking for. I've been ha- happy every minute of my life since my earliest childhood memory. Yeah. And and, and if you wanted to meet with me, uh, I'd, I'd be happy to tell you the secret. And I said, yes, I'd love to <laughs> meet with you. I've never heard of such a thing. So this fellow came by my office. And and he's and it kind of ties in with this childhood nurturing thing that you mentioned. He he said that uh, when when he was a little boy, like maybe four or five years old, his parents were both killed in the same week. I don't know if it was murdered or an accident or or something like that. And so he said that he was sent off to live with his grandparents who lived on a farm outside of Philadelphia. And so he said when he got there, his uh, his grandfather told him, listen, this is a farm, and we all have to work all the time, and we don't have time to, for love and for things like that. And so you're, you're not going to get, you know, any love here. But we'll take care of you, and we'll feed you and everything like this. But he says, I'll give you this one bit, bit of advice. He said, uh, don't ever let anyone put you down. 
As, follow, as long as you follow that advice, you'll be fine. And he said, I've always followed that advice, and I've, I've been happy every, every minute of my life. And he said, I've had cancer three times, and I've defeated it. My, my partner uh, in business uh, betrayed me and absconded with the funds. The business went, went bankrupt. You can give me any kind of bad news you want, and I'll just be be hap- happy as can be. Uh-huh. So that was the story. And here was somebody who didn't have any any nurturing. Uh, yeah. And but I think if, if if we're talking about a little child, you know, an infant, yeah. infant, I think that that's where the lack of nurturing can probably be causing some damage, you know, biologically as well as uh, psychologically. Yeah, it changes in the brain. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, isn't that interesting? <laughs> well, it is interesting. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, I'm not advocating being happy all the time. I think sometimes tears can be a really beautiful and one of the most important experiences. And vulnerability and sadness is a, is a way we can get close to people. I I don't. I wouldn't want to be happy all the time myself. Yeah, no, you want to be able to to empathize with uh, with other Suffering. human people. You know, human yeah. beings. Yeah. All right. Well. I guess that answers my question. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be hard on me, Fabrice. No, no. I, I think that once you make the distinction between uh, adults and children, that that suddenly makes all, all the difference. Well, and another distinction is the difference between wanting need and, and, and uh, wanting love and needing love. And, yeah. and you see, like in my, my Tuesday group at Stanford with my family, we, we have very loving, supportive uh, environment uh, which is a, a joy but but once you go from I, I value love and I want love I want to give love I want to receive love to I need it that that's when you set yourself up for heartbreak for depression for loneliness for for, for anxiety and sometimes even for suicide well I think that points to something larger when you believe that you need anything um, I think the word need is fraught. That's it, right. It makes us believe that uh, we'll, we'll be incomplete or we, we yeah. can't survive without something, yeah. whether yeah. it be love or something else. Yeah, and that's the basis of an awful lot of depression and anxiety. And we see those messages in, in our culture. You need to be one of the beautiful people to be happy. You need to have all of this money. You need to have all of this success. You have to be so smart. You have to have this. You have to have have have, have that. And then most of us, when we look at ourselves, you know, we're not the the, the beautiful people. When I was in, in fourth grade, uh, I, I was I was really uh, kind of sad because Halloween was 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 coming up, and and I wasn't invited to any Halloween parties, and uh, so I fig- figured I'm kind of one of the you know outsiders, one of the unpopular kids. And so I think my older sister or somebody said, well, why don't you have a Halloween party? And so I thought, hey, that's a good idea. And so the next day when I went to school, I stood up and announced, because Halloween was just like four days away. I uh-huh. said, if, if, if there's any of you who haven't been invited to a Halloween party yet, uh, you, you can come to my Halloween party. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I didn't know if anyone would show up. Yeah. And then the oddest thing was almost every kid in the class <laughs> came really? to the Halloween party. Uh-huh. It was such a, 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 an eye opener. Oh, that's great. We had a wonderful, a wonderful time. Well, you know, I'm thinking of the of Mick Jagger, who who says, uh, you know, you can't always get what you want, yeah. but if you try, sometimes you might just get what you need. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. All right. Well, that will do it for today. Thank you, David. Thank you, Fabrice.
This has been another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast. For more information, visit Dr. Burns' website at feelinggood.com where you will find the show notes for this podcast under the blog page and where you can leave your comments and questions. The website has an abundance of resources for therapists as well as non-therapists, including books, workshops, a list of online training groups around the world, and much more. Theme music is Gypsy Jazz in Paris, 1935, composed and performed by Brett Van Donzel. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and I invite you to join us next time for another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast.